Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. For those of you at home, right now, there's nobody around. Just shout, Glory! Who cares what the neighbor The neighbors can't hear you. It's winter. All the windows are shut. Hallelujah! Good morning. So good to be in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. I'm in a good mood today. How about you guys? Doing all right? Doing all right? I'm in a good mood. You know why I'm in a good mood? Because we serve a good God. Amen? We serve a good God who's given us promises, given us life, and that hasn't changed with anything that's going on today. <laughs> oh, I will have you convinced by the end. I guarantee you. God is good. Say that to somebody. God is good. Say that to somebody next to you. God is good. Amen. He is. All the time. Hallelujah. All the time. I'm blessed. Thank you. Thank you. You say it. I'm blessed. Because what? No, because I feel blessed? No, not because you feel blessed. Because you are blessed. Why? Because the Bible says you are blessed. The Word of God is true. It hasn't changed. Doesn't change with circumstances. Doesn't change with edicts. Amen. Doesn't change with threats. It doesn't change with fear. It doesn't. With, it doesn't matter what the world's doing. Does not change. God is good. God is good, and His mercies are new every morning. Oh, I'm going to have you convinced. You're still not convinced, but we're going to get there. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Now, I'm in a good mood this week, because why not? You know, the other alternative is to walk around and go, oh, oh man, it's still winter. Well, it's going to be winter for a while. It's just the way it works. Well, the world is still so dark. Well, it's the way it works. The world's dark. But He has given us light. I'm not dark inside. I'm not dark. I'm light inside. God's put light in us. You're not dark inside. Well, you're, but I'm, I'm going through a period of depression. Stop it. Oh, well, that's too, that's so easy. No, just remind yourself of who God is. Speak, preach to yourself. Amen. Tell yourself, read. Wow. This is going to be exciting. It's electric this morning. (laughs) Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. One of the, the verses that stuck out to me this morning as we were singing was, when I was in darkness, when I was, isn't it, when I was in darkness, he shone forth his light, or am I making this up? I'm making it up. I'm a, I don't know. It's what I heard anyway. Never. There you go. See, I knew I wasn't crazy. In the darkness, we were waiting, and then? Without hope and without light. Somebody. Thank you. Something like that. So say it again with so except in oh see tell from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes is it on the screen there it is thank you it's on the screen till from heaven you came running there was mercy in you eyes sorry in your eyes in you eyes I'm sorry for outing the video, guys. I, you know, that's just that's so mean. You know, it's so mean. It's like bringing, bringing attention to the sound. Something goes wrong with the sound. Everybody goes. Everybody to Matthew 21 yet? Matthew 21, beginning with verse 18. It's some of the verses we read yesterday in Matthew in our two-year reading plan. I just grab stuff every once in a while just to remind you that you should be reading if you haven't been reading, start now. If you're brand new to us, you know, I, we just found out. Okay, this last week, we we uh, we have different ways to tell where people are watching from. We had people watching in Oregon. We had people watching in New Mexico. We had people watching in Florida. 
We have people watching on the East Coast. We have people watching in foreign countries. Oh my goodness. California. We've got people. That's a foreign country. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, this is amazing. Look what God's doing. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm so, I'll get to the word. I promise I will get to the word. One of the reasons I'm so happy this, this week I was in prayer with uh, some of the other pastors in the in the area and we were just seeking God praying and and the Lord reminded me remember back in the last lockdown back in March or April whatever it was you know and it was scary man everybody was afraid everybody had, we had no idea and we didn't know what was going on but out of that you know churches all across America closed churches all over closed and and at that time it just looked bleak, you know. I mean, you think it looks dark today? It looked bleak back then, man. It was scary stuff. Who knew, you know? And uh, but in the midst of it, God said something, and I shared it on a Sunday morning, and and I said, out of out of this, we're going to come out with power. We're going to come out with power. I don't know about everybody else, but we're going to come out with power. We choose. We decide. We we stand on the word, and we're saying that this is not going to this not going to suppress us. It's not going to slow us down. And, and so back then we said, and look what happened. This last summer we grew. The, the gospel expanded. We're, we're now reaching, because of the video, we're reaching literally all over the world live. Almost live. There's a little bit of a delay. It's more live here. It's a little less live over there. You know, a little on video, which, which is really interesting. I am all over the place. I will get there. I promise. There's, there's a reason for all of this. I, w- I went back to make sure that the video was on back in the mask in the room where people have social distancing and masking. And there's two two TVs on. One is the one in the one classroom. Another one is in Pastor Karen's office, which is the nursing mother's room. And it, and I can also hear the service here. Well, they're all three on different times, which is really cool because if you ever want to hear Jamie sing lead worship in rounds, you, you just all you got to do is stand in that hallway back there. And it just, it's just round. It's like, this is cool. I kind of like this. All right. Sorry. I will focus now. Is everybody to Matthew 21, 18? Matthew 21, 18 says, In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. Well, that was awful mean, Jesus. Wow. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If you have faith. All right. So here's the deal. Today we're going to talk. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to us like adults. How does that sound? Does that sound all right? So it made me, you know, made me think of this. When, when you're 17, anybody here 17? 17. Okay. So, so, no, sorry, you're gonna get, yeah, oh yeah, everybody moves away from her, sorry, you know. Welcome back, by the way. So, you're 17, and, and if you remember when you were 17, all you wanted to do was be 18. Right? All of you, yeah, you just wanted to be 18. I want to be an adult. I want to be, cause I want to get out from the thumb of my parents, right? <laughs> I did that on purpose. They're not here. It's okay, but they are watching. So just so you know, yeah. I just want to be an adult. I just want to grow up. I just want to be able to have my own freedom. I just want to live life. But do you notice, remember those of you who have turned 18, that the moment you turn 18, the rules change. The rules change. I still remember when Tally turned 18. She turned 18. It was exciting. She turned 18. And the next day she came to me and she goes, Dad, I have this decision to make. What should I do? I said, I think you should pray about it and decide what, and ask God what He wants you to do and do that. Can't you tell me? I was like, no. No, you're an adult now. You make your decision. Can I be a kid one more day? I was like, no. 
It's just the rules change. You're an adult. Now you should be. If you're 18 and your mother is still making decisions for you, there's a problem. Or your father. Or anybody. If anybody is telling you how to live, that how you have to live your life, you're not really an adult. Ooh. Ooh. See, there's, there's the t- talking to you like, I still remember, now I'll, that was my, I picked on my daughter and I'll just pick on my son just real briefly. One day we were doing something and he just looks at me and goes, Dad, why don't you treat me like an adult? I went, all right, get over there right now and get this job done. What? Why are you mad at me? I said, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm just talking to you like an adult. That job's going to get done and you're going to do it right now. Okay. I said, do you want to be a kid again? Yeah, I want to be a kid again, <laughs> you know. This truth is truth. Truth, truth doesn't, uh, doesn't change because it's uncomfortable. Truth doesn't diminish because a lot of people don't believe it. Because a lot of people believe it or don't believe it, they're ignorant. Truth is truth. Life is life. Light is life. Jesus was speaking to the adults like, or speaking to the adults, speaking to the disciples like, like adults. They're saying, how did you do that? And he goes, you can do that. Ooh, here we go. Now we're going to get there today. We're going to get there today. He said, you can do it. All you, he didn't say when, when you, when I die and I'm, and I'm raised from the dead and, and, and then the spirit will come and then, then you can do it. No, he told them right then. He says, if you have faith, you can speak to that tree and do the exact same thing I just said. I just did. Ooh, it's getting very serious in here now. Cause number one, some people are thinking, is that really true? And other people are going, but what if it doesn't work? And others are thinking, I tried that once and it failed. Okay, when I started in, when I was in fourth and fifth grade, sixth grade, fourth, fifth and sixth grade, we had a, a football team. I remember joining the football team. Everybody wanted me to join the football team. I didn't know why. But everybody wanted me to be on the team. So I joined the football team. I loved football. And we played football. We, put, we played football. We had the run, running backs had little flags. And then, and then when you went to take, you go, oh, I got the flag. That was the rules for that game. Fourth, fifth, and sixth. That was, and you, when you blocked, when you blocked, I need somebody to, here's somebody with a football jersey on. Come on, come on, stand up a second. Did you play football in high school? Good, just, that's good because then I, that, that way I'm going to be better than you. All right. All right. So, so when I, when we played football, when we, in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, this is the way we blocked. It was just, you know, it, you stay there, hang on. That's the way, oh, you can sit down for a second. I'll come ahead and use you in a second. The rules were different because, you know, it was different. It was just, it was a different level of competition. Different level of competition. And then in seventh grade, oh man, now you're, now you're grown up. Seventh grade. And they still wanted me to go out for football. They still wanted me to play. And I got into my first practice. As a seventh grader, and we had pads. Woo! We were big time. Helmets. Helmets. We were, oh, this is, and this is tackle. Yeah, tackle. It's a different level. Different level of competition. Oh yeah, this is the, we're, this is like on TV. We're just like on TV. <laughs> just like it. And I remember, oh, I'm so excited about football, and I get to football. And the coach knew that there was going to be a different level of competition, so the practices were much different. For those of you who had seventh grade football practice compared to fourth, fifth, and sixth grade practice, just to tell you the honest truth, my first day of seventh grade football practice, I threw up. 
because like they yelled at us. My, my fourth and fifth and sixth grade te- you know, coach never yelled at me. Nasal, why are you always last? Because I'm the slowest? I don't know. And it was hot and it was sweaty. And, and then somebody actually hit me, like blocked. And I had a choice to make. Either experience the, the, the oh my gosh, that, that was terrible. He just hit me. Or think, all right, buddy, here we go. And the level of competition changed. Seventh, eighth, ninth, every year it got a little bit more, a little bit more. Tenth grade, oh my goodness. In tenth grade, I realized if I was going to survive, I had to change. Because it was a different level of competition. And I had to grow up. And I actually had to start working out before practices. Earlier, you know, like through the summer, I couldn't just sit and eat potato chips and watch TV all summer long. I could, but then I was going to throw up again on on the first day of practice and the third day. And, you know, you had to grow. I had to change my level of play. And there were different rules. It wasn't different to the rest. It was just more advanced rules, more expect. The field was bigger. The things changed. When I, I wrestled in, 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 in junior high, I wrestled. And I was, I was pretty good because I was just a really big guy. And the other really big guys were really big guys. I was heavyweight. I got to roll the big roly poly guys. It was kind of not all that hard. In 10th grade though, it all changed. And the expectation was different. And the training was different. And I had to actually get in shape. If I wanted to save face at all, if I wanted to win, I had to get better and better. I had to keep increasing the expectations. I had to do things differently. In 10th grade, I could literally, I wrestled everybody, everybody that I wrestled, I could headlock them and put them in a cradle and win. That's how I beat everybody. But in 11th grade, the competition changed. They got better. So I had to get better. I had to, this is the same game, same match, same thing. But I had to change my level of play. 11th grade, 12th grade, 12th grade, I still remember my coach yelling. He says, if you don't do more than the other guy now, you won't do more than the other guy then. We would start out of practice by running five miles around the lake. That's how we started practice. Then we would practice for two hours. Hard. Hard. Then, after practice, then we would go run stairs. We called, they called them running stairs. Three flights of stairs. And you had to run them. You had to do it ten times, as fast as you could up and as fast as you could down. Everybody else looked at us like, why are you guys working so hard? Because when we got to the championships, we weren't tired. We wrestled the whole time, we weren't tired. It was a different level of competition. A different level of expectation. A different level of skill. A different level of commitment. A different... Then I went to college. Because I thought, I'm going to wrestle at college. And I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. I was so good in high school. I was a part of a state championship team. They're going to be so glad I'm here. And my very first match, the very first match in college... I still remember why it was in, it was in Wisconsin and it was in, nope, nope, further east. Oh, Stevens Point. There you go. Were you there? No, just said, it was in Stevens Point. <laughs> Stevens Point. And I'm, I'm going out and this guy looked old. I mean, he had like, he looked old. I mean, and we're now we're in college and this guy looked built. He was strong. And we got, oh, okay. This is real. We got out there and we shook hands and get into my stance and all of a sudden the, the, the referee blows the whistle and the guy punched me in the nose. Boom! Punched me right in the nose. Blood everywhere. Broke my nose. 
I went, this is a different level of competition right here. Now, he cheated, right? Okay, he cheated. But I could just go over there and go, oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. He just punched me. He should, I should just win. Do you know what the referee did? Back in the middle. Penalized him a point. That's what? One point for punching me and breaking my nose. You get one point for that. Do you want a point? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> I realized real quick, this is a different level of competition. Come to find out the guy was a Marine. He had come from the Marines. I thought he looked a little older than he should have been. And he had anger issues, okay? It was a very different level of competition. Just for the record, because this is videoed, I beat him. Just so you know. Thank you, thank you. It's the only match I think I won that year, but I beat him. That's all that mattered. The last guy that I wrestled in college, the last guy that I, because I only made it through part of a season, I was had a different story, long, weird life, but the last guy I wrestled was third in the nation the year before. That was a very different level of competition. He didn't have to cheat to make me look stupid. And if I wanted to get that good, my level would have to change again. When Jesus was hard on the disciples, when he said, hey guys, you could do this too. If you have faith, if you have faith, you can say that unto this mountain, be thou removed and it will be cast into the sea. When he said that, he wanted them to raise their game. He wanted them to raise their expectation. Okay, because that's impossible, right? That's impossible. You can't speak to that mountain and it'll be cast and it just won't happen, right? <laughs> Unless you do it by his rules. Which is easier? To say, be healed to someone who is dying right in front of you, or has died, or tell a tree to wither and die? It's the same level of... It's the same. It's, it's impossible. Somebody just breathed their last, but he did that three times too. And he's, he was here to show us there's a different level that we can live. All right, faith. I have a couple of definitions that I want to read to you. Because he says, if you have faith. And that's the one that always trips people up. They're like, well, what are you telling me? I don't have enough faith? Mm. No, it just says if you have faith. It doesn't say you have to have a lot of faith or a bunch of faith or a whole bunch of faith. It doesn't say you have to have a truckload of faith or you have to have a bucket load of faith. It just says, he says, if you have faith. What is faith? Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That is the dictionary definition of faith. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. We can see how that translates to God. Do you have complete trust in God? Thank you for not all going, oh, of course, yes, totally, uh-huh, sure, absolutely. Because that would be wrong answer. Why? Because we still have doubt. Complete trust. Now you're thinking, wait a second, I, this started out as a feel-good. You said you're in a good mood today. I am in a great mood. Because there is nothing better than truth. There is nothing better than the real answer. There is nothing better than the real answer. I was thinking about this when I was trying when thinking about how to how to talk about how truth reveals the real answer and how much better it is. How many of you at some point in your childhood in your early childhood heard that somebody told you that babies came from storks? Or babies were found in a pumpkin patch. Or babies, we picked you up at the five and dime. I don't know. I mean, there, you, there was some explanation about how babies came into this world that was told to a child who really doesn't have what it takes to understand how they really come into the world. But the truth is so much better! Thank you. 
Some of you are going, I don't know if I should make a noise on that one. <laughs> We're playing at a whole different level now, folks. How's she doing? So, all right? You doing okay? All right. Faith. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Here's Strong's definition of faith. Strong's is the Strong's Concordance. For those of you out there, it's that when you were, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it's that great big book. Man, it's this great, it's called the Strong's Concordance. Why? Because you have to be strong to carry it. Man, if you, if there's ever a tornado, you just grab that thing, wrap your arms around it, and you're not going nowhere. This thing is humongous. And you'd have, you'd have to look up a word, you'd have to find faith, and then you'd have to find the number, and then you'd have to find the definition of, that's how you used to learn Greek and Hebrew and stuff. Now you plug it into your phone and it pops right up. It's awesome. Glory to God. Strong's definition of faith is the conviction of the truth of anything. Belief. In the New Testament, of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Generally, with the included idea of trust and holy fervor born of faith and joined with it. Long explanation to basically say that what the other one said is that you trust God. That if He said it, it's true. And that's hard to do because we live in a world where you're constantly told, number one, there is no God. Number two, he doesn't care about you or he's detached or he's ambivalent. And then three, once you do know him, well, you have all these experiences where it didn't work the way you wanted it to. You know, I still remember when, when my kids, when Ethan was small and he, he started playing football and he wanted to practice blocking. And he said, he came at me and he, and he tried to block me. He just, just bounces off. Dad, what? I said, you know, you didn't do it right. Didn't matter. Didn't matter if he did it completely perfect. He still was gonna, but, You know, at first, when we're, when we're young in the Lord, when we're new in God, if, and if we've, if we've been told our whole life that this stuff isn't real, supernatural isn't real, the spirit world isn't real, the, the kingdom of God isn't real, God's word isn't true, if you've been told that your whole life, you've got some baggage to deal with. You've got to get over some hurdles that have been placed in front of you that until you do, you're going to try it in a way that's not full of faith. It's just the reality of it. And that's not a, it's not a, it's not a slap on your wrist. It's not a, it's not a, oh, shame on you. It's just, hey, you've got baggage. You've got stuff you've dealt with. If you grew up in a church, and I grew up in a church where healing isn't for today. I was told that. That's why that, that was just to prove that Jesus was God. And after that, you're on your own. Good luck. I was told that. That when you pray, Pray that in God, in some way of His mercy, some way, maybe, somehow, if He would just for, for once care about you, maybe He'll sort it out and He'll 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 heal you, or or at least make death not as painful. So I was brought up. So when I came into this stuff and started reading that He said, "Speak unto this mountain and it shall be removed." Well, I had some baggage I had to deal with. So did you. It's it's that's just reality. And if you base, if, 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 if my son had based his blocking skills on that first attempt, he'd never try again. And just for the record, recently, in the last, you know, this last summer when he was home, we got into a wrestling match. Yeah. And he threw me over the couch. <laughs> Much to the, just to the horror of my wife. She's like, what are you doing? You might break the couch. What about me? What about me? No, she was worried about the couch. But this little kid who did, you know, at first try, bounced right off me. Now is, is literally manhandling me. So I had to cheat. Right, fathers? You cheat. That's what you do. You cheat. You change the rules, yeah. 
God doesn't change the rules, just so you know. We've got to keep the analogy running here. But there's a different level of competition. You, you <laughs> Complete trust that what God has said is true. That when you read, you know, is, is it true that if you speak to the mountain and you do not doubt, if you have faith and you do not doubt, you will do to the fig tree, but even you'll say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. <laughs> I, I gotta start believing this stuff. I gotta start believing, let's, let's put it into real life. Let's just put it into, into today. Minnesota, is locked down, boys and girls. Minnesota's locked down. You don't have, you don't, you don't do anything. You stop it. Quit thinking about being, sorry, I wasn't going to go there. I'll finish my thought. Don't even think about being free. Sorry, I'll get away from that. You, you close your business down and you, you box it because by golly, and then, and then your business, I mean, I, I only know one person in here who owns like a restaurant type business. Maybe there are two, I don't know. But, you know, oh my gosh. They just lopped off, systematically lopped off a huge part of our revenue by a word, by just a, by a choice. We're going to do this. Well, you have a choice to make. You have a choice that, well, I guess it's just going to, we may not make it. We may not survive. Or you start speaking to that mountain. And you start saying, we not only are going to increase business, we're coming out of this strong. You start speaking over that situation. You start you start speaking life over it. Not the doubt. There's plenty of doubt out there in the world. Another example. You wake up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden, oh no, I got a sniffle. That was a big sniffle right there. As my as my throat, <laughs> do I, do I, can you feel me? Can you feel me? Do I feel hot? You can start heading down very quickly, down a path of this. Don't look good. This don't. I think the Rona's got me. I, I got symptoms, and you know, symptoms don't lie, they're real. Or, you can speak under the mountain, yeah, okay, I, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't say when I first started feeling the, and the, and the, and the, when I started feeling that, I go, I don't have COVID. No. I I do not have COVID. I do I I refuse to have COVID. I didn't say that once. What I started saying is, by His stripes I am healed. By His stripes I am made whole. I was healed at the cross. His word says that I am the healed one. He is my healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. He revealed Himself to me as my healer. I started speaking life over myself. I started speaking life over my family. I started speaking life over everybody I had contact with. We've started, we've, we've been praying for weeks over this church. No weapon formed against this church will prosper. Not once have we prayed. There is no Rona in this church. Because I've known some people who've tested positive. But what we have been saying is, not one of them are going to die in Jesus' name. They will live and they will not die. They will survive. They will thrive. They will, they will be fully restored as, as soon as possible, in, in, immediately. I speak healing. I speak healing over you. I speak healing over your family. I speak healing over this church. I, we've actually prayed that anyone who drives in this parking lot is healed in Jesus' name. 
every police officer, every, every, uh, every lost person, everybody who breaks down. People break down all the time and pull in our, in our driveway. They're healed in Jesus' name. Start speaking to that mountain. Not rehearsing the problem, because there's problems. But start speaking the truth. It's a different level. You know, back, back when I first started walking with the Lord, when I first rededicated my life to the Lord, and, and I, something started, I don't remember what it was, there was something I, I was believing for it, and I, my, my first thing was, Lord, please help me. Please help me, Lord. Take care of this problem. And you know what? He did. It took, he, he answered my prayer. But that was, that was baby Christian John. A while goes by, I learn more of the Word, I'm in the Word more, I hear more teachings, I hear the truth, the truth that He's already done it for me. He's already supplied all my needs. My God has supplied all my needs according to His riches and glory. When I realized that, it was no longer, oh Lord, please, I need money. Now I began to not, I started speaking over my finances. Be healed was the first one. I remember it because I, I kind of laughed when I said it. I, mean, I looked at my billfold. I was like, be healed in Jesus' name. Come to life. You had to raise that sucker from the dead first, you know, before you can, then you got to heal it. Then, oh my goodness, personal responsibility. Then I had to start being responsible to start paying my bills. Oh no. Oh, no. Really, God? I thought it would just be miraculous. Just show me a fish to pull a coin out of. It's going to be a lot easier. No. Go to work. Shoot. Not one check in the mail. Not one. Go to work. Work overtime. What? What? Can't you just do it a little miraculous? You know, I don't, I don't want to work on Saturday. It's nice out. It's amazing. It's amazing how much it's like a miracle. It, when, she, when, she, when you start working, and then you start working every day, you show up for work, and then, and then you start working overtime, it, the number increases. I know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> right. Because the Word of God says that He has given us the ability to produce wealth. He doesn't say that he, he has given you the ability to find miraculously all the wealth you'll ever need. No. It's the way the world works. Go to work. I don't have enough money. Work more. Wow. Got quiet on that one. Did it get quiet at home too? Just, just checking. It's a different level of play. Personal responsibility. Hebrews, so the first one was faith, uh, faith was complete trust and confidence in someone or something. Strong concordance was conviction of the truth of anything, belief in, uh, God, in our, in man's, respecting man's relationship to God. It's all about relationship. That's what's beautiful about the, the Strong's is that he's, he's in relationship with us. And he said, I, I've already done this stuff for you. Here's, here's my list. Here's, I don't have a paper Bible. Who has a paper Bible? Oh my gosh. You must be like really strong. You know, here is his list of promises to you. It's right here. He said, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've done for you. Now, go. Now go. Now go. And you do it. You do it. You take care of this. Hebrews 11.1, 1, here's the biblical definition, definition of faith. And we know that because of how it says it. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is. He gives us his definition of what faith is. Now faith is the assurance <clears throat> of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. If God says that he'll supply all of your needs and you don't see it yet, it doesn't mean it's not so. It just means you have something to do now. What's the first thing you do? First thing you do is you believe it. You believe that what he said is actually true. I had to convince myself. How do you convince yourself? I get more in the Word. Build up your faith. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It builds you up. It builds up your confidence in God. 
Read the Word. Find out what the promises actually are. And then you have to believe it. That actually He said, He's going to supply all my needs. All right, God, then that's okay. Here we go. I now have something to stand on. I have something to believe for. I'm not just making this stuff up in my head. That's superstition. That if I, you know, eat this piece of bark off a tree and dance around a, dance around the tree and shout and that this is, no, it's not, it's not going to answer your, it's not going to, it's not going to fix your situation. You got to do things the way the Word of God says. Okay. The Word of God says, it says, I, my God shall supply all my need. He's, you know, he is Jehovah Jireh. He revealed himself as our provider. That's what the Bible says. You believe that. Then you speak to it. Say, my finances are going to change. It doesn't look any different right now. When I started believing this stuff, when I started obeying God, I was in debt. And I've said this before. I'll say it really quick. I was in debt to people you don't want to be in debt to. Beyond the government, beyond banks, people that don't, they, they charge more interest than you ever want to pay. And if you don't pay, bad things happen. I owe people like that money. Just so you know. Okay, just use your imagination. Your story is probably better than the one I was going to tell anyway. All right. So I, I had, I had, I owed lots of money. And I wasn't making much money. But I started getting the revelation and I said, okay, God, I believe you. I believe that you can solve this. I don't know how you're going to solve this, but I believe you're going to solve this. What do you want me to do? God, you tell me what to do. Do you know what the first thing God told me to do was? tithe. I was like, that's, that's the first thing you want me to do? He said tithe. That's what he told me, doesn't it? If he tells you something different, I'm okay with that. What he told me was tithe. And I was like, tithe off of the gross or tithe off of the net? And I got the answer. Other people have said it. Do you want a gross return or do you want a net return? I want the gross return. Okay. Tithe off the gross. Okay? That's what he told me to do. So now I had a choice whether I actually believed that that was going to, you know, was a, a step in the right direction. And how did I believe it? I did it. That's how you show that you believe it is you act upon it. I actually had to tithe. The first week was easy. What's 10% of $120? That was my first week's check. 12 bucks was a lot of money back then. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Just for those on TV, somebody just said, you're not that old. I was like, thank you. Thank you. That's... No, I just had a really terrible job. It just, you know, I, it was a bad, I was, yeah, I was making hot dogs. That's what I was doing at that time. It was great career path. All right. Moving on. Twelve bucks. You know, that's not, you don't think, well, that's not much. Hey, that was gas for a whole week right there. My rent, my rent was 150 bucks a month. Electricity was X, you know, and then food had to come in there sometime too. I lost a lot of weight back then. Twelve bucks. Okay, I can do twelve bucks. I don't know, I can't, I don't know the exact timeline doesn't really matter. But all of a sudden they said, hey, do you want to work some overtime? Sure, I'll, you know, I, I need to work more. I figured out that miracle. The miracle of working more makes more money. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I started working more. And all of a sudden I had to, you know, my check was 240. Well, that's how much? 10%? 24. That's still a lot of money back then. I mean, when you're, when you're trying to pay off people, and then, then the Lord, I said, now what do I do? And he goes, I want you to pay this bill first. I want you to pay that person off first. All right. I was Dave Ramsey before there was a Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Snowball that baby, you know, just start paying that, you know. And I had other people, I had the, you know, hey, I had the people calling me on the phone, when are you going to pay your bills? Have you ever had that call? I've had that call. I've had many of those calls. And I said, I'll get to you when I get to you. Threat, threat, threat. 
Pay off that person. That person got paid off. Now what do I do? I Every step of the way, now what do I do? Now what do I do? Now you show me. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Do this, do that. In the midst of it, in the middle of it, there was one time where I was making, I was making headway. I was like, this is awesome. And I was at a meeting. And this guy got up and gave this presentation. He gave a presentation about it doesn't matter what it was about, but he was some ministry and he was working for this ministry and at the end they wanted to receive an offering for him. And so I asked, I said, God, what do you want me to give? I'd already tithed that week. I'd already given my tithe. I said, Lord, do you want me to give in this offering? And I heard yes. I said, how much? He said, everything. Everything in my pocket? Everything in my right pocket? You know, you want to split your money up. That way you've got to give God plenty of opportunity. <laughs> everything in both pockets? He said, everything. I said, define everything. I'm in prayer. I'm seeking God. What are you talking about? He says, clear out your bank account and give everything you have to that ministry. <laughs> Now, it, I'm not telling, we're not talking hundreds of dollars here. I'm just telling you, I, I, it wasn't like I was super flush. It was everything I had, though. It was literally everything I had. I went, I cleared out my bank account, I took all the money out of my pocket, I, you know, you go through the couch, you just, you, I got every, everything that I could find to give, I put it into one place, and I went to the ministry the next day, and I said, I'm supposed to give you this. And now I have no money for gas, I have no money for food, I have no money for anything. And this we're talking, paycheck wasn't coming for a while. I don't remember all the details, didn't miss a meal, made it to work every day, God blessed me. I owed a lot of money. It took two years to get debt free. Two years in a marriage. Praise God for marrying well. <laughs> but you got to be obedient. You got to do what God. It's it's a different level of expectation. You need to obey. If He tells you to do something hard, you got to do something hard. You got to believe that He's going to do it. That His word is true. But then you have to act by faith, and acting by faith means you actually step out and you do some crazy stuff. I could tell you about. Dozens of things over the last 30, 35 years that God told us to do that was crazy. We're in college. We're in college and we're, you know, we have no money. For those of you who went through college and paid for it yourself and worked two jobs, three jobs, did whatever you had to do to make it, God told us to give this huge amount towards a building fund. I mean, for, and that was actually a huge amount in a one-shot deal. And I, we knew it was God because God gave me one number and gave, you know, and we've never had the same number except for like two or three times. We get in the car and I said, well, what's your number? What are, you, what are we supposed to do? And she goes, you tell me yours first. And I was like, no, you tell me. I said, I asked first. You tell me. We had the same number. So what do you do? Because we didn't have, that's, that money was to pay for college, to pay for tuition, to pay for gas. I was driving back and forth. 50 mile or 100, actually, whatever, 40 times 2, 80 miles a day commuting to... The accountants are all laughing at me back there. The accountants are snickering that I have to do math that way. What a tough crowd this morning. But God took care of us every step of the way. Was it always easy? No. But you do it by faith. You do it because he said it's true, and so you believe him, and you step out. And you believe him, and you agree with him. God, you're able to do. So whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're dealing with right now, close your eyes. Not going to make you stand up, not going to make you run and do anything weird. At home, close your eyes. You don't have to look at your wife, or your husband, or your kids. Right now, between you and God, between you and him, that thing that you're dealing with, whatever it is, if it's money, great. If it's sickness, if it's health, great. If it's, if it's another problem, some other problem, whatever it may be, what, I don't care what it is. Think about what he's said. Think about what he's promised. Think about 
what he said he would do. And now agree with him. Agree with him. In your heart, agree with him. Yeah, okay, so what if you're having trouble? What if there's a ton of doubt? What if you're struggling with whatever it is that he said and you're having to believe him for it? What if you're struggling? He said, That's okay. That's okay. The disciple said, help our unbelief. So you can even say that right now. God, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. Help me in my unbelief. I want to believe you this week. This week, I want to believe you. And this week, I want to see this thing start to change, whatever it is. I believe you, Lord. I believe you just based upon your God and you're good and you're awesome and you're amazing. And I, you, I have to believe that you're who you are and that you can do what you, what you said you're going to do. So I believe you. Now help me that I don't have doubt. I get, the, get rid of the doubt in my life. And then whatever the Bible says about your situation, find that verse, find those verses and start to use those verses. Speak to the, that problem. Speak to that situation. Not what you think, not what you are fearing, not what somebody else, grandma, so-and-so had said, but what does the Word of God say? Speak that over your situation and agree with that. But actually speak it. You don't have to do it right now because everybody just be a bunch of murmur. But this week, start getting into the practice of speaking that over the situation, not the problem. And then rest. Rest that he's taken care of it. Rest in that. Relax. Say, oh God, you got it. I, I'm going I'm to quit worrying about this thing. Well, that's irresponsible. Immediately, the attack. That's irresponsible. No, it's not irresponsible. That's faith. Trusting that he is who he is. All right. You can open your eyes now. Amen. You, some people have to wait till amen, then they can open their eyes. Amen. We need to make a slight change, and I'm going to turn this over to Brian in a second here. We need to make a slight change because of, of the sheer volume of prayer requests coming in. We, so those of you who are on our prayer request uh, email chain, so on and so forth, uh, Pastor Greg is you know, having sleepless nights. He's, he's having to work around the clock. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. But... We've got a lot of stuff coming in. We've got a lot of things, you know, people asking for prayer and it's, it's, it's getting a little jumbled and such. So we, so we've had a, we've, we've discussed it. And the best way to, to deal with prayer requests is this. We still want you to send them in. If you have a prayer request, please send them. People are praying. People do pray for you. But when you send it in, it, it has to be, it's no longer a prayer journal or, or a prayer booklet or a prayer essay. It's a prayer tweet. It's going to be a prayer tweet. Okay? And you're thinking, well, that's going to limit God. No, it doesn't limit God at all. It just gets to the point, tells us what you need prayer for. So, you know, here's an example. You know, if you need prayer for healing, don't tell us every symptom the doctor has given you about your sickness. I don't need to know where you're itching. Sorry. Yeah, that's bad, yeah. I don't need to know how many times you threw up. Just say, hey, not feeling well, believing for healing. This is the scripture I'm standing on. I want you to put the scripture in there. This is the Bible verse. If you can't find a Bible verse, call a friend. Phone a friend. It's one of your, you get to a lifeline. Use it. Call a friend. Say, I need, I need a scripture for this prayer request. And you, that you can brainstorm. It's called a Bible study. Do a Bible study. Find a scripture that actually applies to that and say, please agree with me. Because the Bible says, oh, I got that verse. Hang on. I'll find it. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Mark 16. No, no. Matthew 18. Yes. Mark, Matthew 18, 18, 19. It says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It doesn't say if you ask God to, he'll loose and he'll bind. It says whatever you do, whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loose is loosed. Again, verse 19, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, if two people agree anything on they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So when we pray, we're not asking God to do it. 
we're at, we're just we're speaking to that situation because here's what the here's what here's what I'm dealing with. Here's the scripture that I can I that I'm I'm believing for and thank you thank you for agreeing with me in this prayer. Because we're not praying for you or for that you're speaking to it. I don't even care if it's your your cousin's third uh wife's boss's niece. I don't know that person, but if you know them, you speak to that situation and say, please agree with me on this. Because it says, if two or more agree on anything, touching it, it's done. And so, prayer tweets, need, very brief, scripture that you're standing on, thank you for agreeing with me. And then we want to hear about the, when it, when it happens. We want to, when, when there's a report, when we want to hear that too. We need as many prayer, praise reports as we do prayer requests. Amen? Brian, can I turn it over to you? Have a wonderful. All right. Well, good stuff. Um, just, I'll start out with the announcements. There's not as many because it's Thanksgiving week, but. No classes this Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Karis will also not be meeting. Uh, just a couple of praise reports of Bloodmobile. Thank you, everyone, for participating. There were 39 slots. There were 39 pints of blood taken, so praise God. Um, the uh, Christmas boxes got sent out this week. Thank you, everyone, for putting together the Christmas boxes. They're on their way to Belarus. They'll probably make it for Easter. Um, there's a lot of unrest going on right now in Belarus, so pray for the, the final destination that they'll get there. They'll get there and attacked and on time. Um, the women's Christmas tea is going to be Saturday, December 5th at 11 o'clock. Jen Logan's going to be speaking. There are sign-up sheets for the women, and one is coming for the guys. We don't want to sign up too early, so it'll come in the right time. Um, the week devoted to God. Every year, the first week in January, we have uh, a weekly set of uh, prayer times in the morning, uh, services in the evening. Please, it's a time of great fellowship. It's a time where we can get together as fellow believers. Not as formal as Sunday morning. Uh, certainly, every night is different. Opportunities to have praise and worship, uh, special ministering. It's, it's awesome. If you've ever been there before, please come again. You don't have to come every night or whatever, depending on your schedule, but please, it's, it's a, it's a good time to get to know each other a little better, fellowship with each other. So with that, I'll get into, I'll try to be quick into the offering teaching today. Um, and the question that I had to myself was, am I a sower or am I an eater? Um, I was looking at 2 Corinthians 9. I mean, there's a ton of stuff in that in that whole chapter in relation to, to sowing and reaping. And I, I came across a teaching that uh, Greg Moore, one of our instructors from Karis Bible College, had done. And so it really spoke to me, and I'm kind of boiling it down to what the high points that spoke to me. Um, if we will make a commitment to become sowers, God will give us the finances to sow. You know, like, like Pastor John just said, you know, you concentrate on one word, you, you, you speak to your mountain. You also have to cooperate. You have to work. You have to find ideas for how to bring your income in. So I've done a lot of thinking about this, and I feel the Lord has increased my revelation on sowing finances. And so some of that revelation is um, thus. In 2 Corinthians 9.10, it says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. We've said this many weeks in a row. But this verse tells us that he gives seed to sowers and bread to eaters, right? These terms are being used metaphorically to talk about how God gives extra to people who are givers and supplies the basic needs to those of us who are eaters. Eaters are those who are using their finances primarily only for their own needs. Sowers are those who use their finances primarily to give to others. This is about the attitude of the heart toward giving. Those who desire more money so they can get more stuff are eaters. Those who desire more money so they can give more are sowers. Of course, sowers have to eat too, and there's nothing wrong with having things 
as long as the things don't have us. So as money flows through, there's always plenty for you and your needs and the needs of your family. But those who are only seeking to get their needs met will only get their needs met. They won't have the abundance that comes with being dedicated to be a, a sower. Eaters are always focused on what they need, and therefore God doesn't give them an overabundance. They may just spend it on themselves. But just two verses prior to this verse, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9.8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Notice that the reason God makes grace abound towards us is so we may abound to every good work. Prosperity is not just for us individually. It is for us individually, but not just for us individually. It's so we may bless others, and that's a radical thought. We are blessed to be a blessing. Many people believe prosperity is all about greed, and that's why they oppose it. But true Bible prosperity is so that we can be blessings to others. The attitude that says, I've got enough, I would never ask God for more, is a wrong attitude. It's selfish. That attitude shows the attitude of an eater, not a sower. If we are a sower, God will bless us with an overabundance of finances that will more than supply our individual need and enable us to give to others as God desires. In 2 Corinthians 9.10, it does say that God gives seed to sowers. So it's accurate to say that if we are short of seed or finances, then we may not be sowing like we should. God will see to it that sowers have money to abound in every good work. That's his word and his promise. It can be a huge step of faith to sow as God wants, but he is faithful. He will always prove himself. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So this verse tells us that the reason we should work also is so we can have give to those who have a need. We, we fulfill our needs, then we have extra to give to others. It's a mind shift. It certainly was for me. Um, most people would say the reason we should work is so that we can pay our bills and provide for our needs. Well, that's one reason, but that's not the only reason. The scripture says the purpose for us working is so that we can bless others. We may be thinking, well, what about me? Doesn't God want me to be blessed too? Well, of course he does. But the way to blessing isn't in trying to meet only our individual needs and holding on to what we have. It's in meeting the needs of others. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When we put sowing ahead of eating, God gets involved in our finances and meets our every need. In fact, God will take better care of us than we would take care of ourselves. We just look at what the Lord is preparing for us in heaven, right? We will live in a mansion. The streets will be paved with pure gold. The gates are pearls, and the foundations of the city are precious stones. Most of us don't live in that condition now, do we? But we will. And that's because God is preparing that for us. One of the Hebrew names for God is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And I've, I've looked in the Word, and I've found nowhere in the Word where he is called El Chipo. Right? He will supply all of our needs because he is a loving God. The thing that's hindering most of our prosperity is the fact that we tend to be eaters instead of sowers. We're like a dam that wants to block the way, block the flow instead of a, a river that lets it pass through us. I mean, it's a work in progress. All of us is the work in progress. But if God can get the money through us, he will get the money to us. If we can look at all of our assets and say, well, I produced all this, then we haven't tapped into God's abundance yet. When we put God's kingdom first, the Lord will prosper us supernaturally, and it will be abundance. We do have to cooperate, though, and we need to receive his grace by faith. Everything is faith, the trust that God has that next 
dollar there for us. Um, it really is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, Luann and I have been blessed over the years and able to sow into many ministries. And as we put the kingdom of God first, God has supernaturally taken care of us. Uh, we have prospered more than either one of us could have ever imagined when we when we married and you know started out with you know a couple of nickels to rub together. He's really blessed us. When God gets involved in our finances, it can be embarrassing. If we aren't sometimes embarrassed at the way God takes care of us, then maybe we haven't moved into God's overabundance yet. Our Father gets pleasure at blessing us. He is more than enough. Psalm 35.27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God isn't wanting to withhold it all for us. He takes pleasure in blessing us and blessing us more than what we can contain. He is the God who is more than enough. He, he, poverty is not his idea. It's not his ideal for us. But we are also here to serve other people. So it's not wrong for us to have things as long as the things don't have us. Amen?